lay them on the money line, and then roll it over every single time they win. Way out of here. Oh, goodness. The last seven games in which they've come in with rest have all gone under. Plus 115, the price I paid for this, the I like it. Makes the catch at the 10, and he's in for a touchdown. This is Behind the Bets, the podcast. Welcome to the latest Behind the Bets podcast. I am Doug Kazarian. This is Wednesday, August 11th. Obviously getting it ready for football just around the corner. Had the Hall of Fame game a week ago. We have a full slate of preseason starting tomorrow, and already we've seen a lot of lines and some movement, change of favorites as well a couple times. So it's been an interesting already betting football season. Last week we had Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders. We discussed the AFC, really interesting with what's going on with Carson Wentz and all the other potential injuries. We've had some development since then. Rashad Bateman for the Ravens, wide receiver. Uh, doesn't look like it's going to be too serious of an injury. May affect the opener on that Monday night against the Raiders in Las Vegas. But coming up next, more with Aaron we're going to discuss the NFC, and I found it interesting when you said who had the toughest schedule um, of all the teams. And, you know, look, you hear that based on last year's win percentage, always an inexact science because so much changes in the offseason. So it's nice that we incorporate projections. Uh, Jared Goff, he and I kind of differ on that. So that's interesting. But, um, you know, full breakdown of the NFC coming up. Obviously, we'll have more college football. We still have the SEC with Tom Hart, who attended Media Days. That was about an hour podcast, so feel free to go check that out. The shelf life is certainly uh, suitable and works for the, the month of August, and we'll have some specific win totals and things like that moving forward as we gear up for what should be an exciting season. We'll have a tweak of the podcast schedule, and um, that should cover it. So obviously a lot going on. Daily Wager is dark until Monday. August 16th, and uh, we'll be ready to rock then and push hard through the month of August and then into the regular season of both college and pro football. Stop. Hammer time. For the second straight week, we bring back Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders to focus on the NFC this time. And obviously, if you want to check out the AFC, go back to last week, and uh, he'll weave in some of that, obviously, to provide context when uh, discussing the NFC. But good to have you back, my man. Hey, good to be back. Uh, let's hit the other teams this week. We had the AFC last week. And uh, now now we have real preseason games coming up. We just had the Hall of Fame game so far. And now we get real preseason. Yeah, no, and, and it's very a uh, ton of opportunities for betters as well as, uh, you know, it's just everyone's favorite pastime. You have the misinformed ranting on Twitter saying, oh, full degenerate if you bet in these games. And then the other people are like, you're an idiot. I think that's easier to make money in the preseason if you do the homework than it is the regular season, but let's, let's look at season long projections. That's why we have you here. Million simulations for the season. NFC. What were some of the things that surprised you as you ran your modeling and was like, well, that doesn't kind of match what I assumed or my eye test was, was, was planning on. Well, I, this does not, uh, this matches my eye test, but it's still sort of amazing how high they came out. So we do a million simulations for our football outsiders, almanac book available now, by the way, through footballoutsiders.com. With the FO Plus subscription, you get the electronic version, or you can get the uh, book itself on Amazon.com right now. Uh, Tampa Bay came out as the best team in the league, and it's not even close because they came out with the number one projected DVOA and 30th projected schedule. Okay, so top team, and thanks in large part to the easiest, or one of the easiest schedule. Yes, they are number three in their offensive projection and number six in their defensive projection. 
and yeah, number 30 in schedule. So like they are the top team in the NFC. Like if you look at our projected average number of wins and uh, you know, understand that we, we do have a problem. Like I think most systems that are based around mathematical regressions, uh, our projections come out a little too close to 500. The real spread of wins ends up you know, being a little bit wider than this. Um, but we have Tampa Bay at 11.1. We don't have another NFC team above 10. Huh. That's surprising, especially with the 17th game. The 10 wins doesn't kind of have the like same. Like I ring said, cut. things cluster very closely around 500 in our projections. So that just shows, like, if you look at our teams ranked by average wins in the simulation, teams two through five are AFC teams. So there's a big gap between, AFC, between Tampa Bay and everyone else. Oh, interesting. And what are those teams? Up the, you know, just so I have them, teams two through five are AFC. Tampa Bay, and then Baltimore, Kansas City, Buffalo, and New England. Oh, so New England right there. Okay, so that's a little bit. I mean, now we talked about New England in the past. Having, yeah, another easy schedule like we talked about last week. Right. Um, so let's keep it with the division of the NFC South because how are you factoring in the quarterback play for the Saints this coming season? Because I think Jameis is much better than people realize. Maybe not much better, but better than people realize, but it's not a guarantee he's going to be the starting quarterback. We did half of our simulations with Winston as the starter and half with Hill as the starter. And I will say we haven't redone the simulation to account for Michael Thomas's injury yet. But you are right about Winston. Listen, Winston had all those interceptions his last year in Tampa Bay. But prior to that, he was like the 15th or 16th best quarterback in the league in pretty much all his seasons other than, other than two years ago. So it looks very likely that he could be the 15th or 16th best quarterback in the league again, maybe a little lower than that, given the wide receiver situation right now in New Orleans. But, you know, once he gets Michael Thomas back healthy, yeah, like 16th best quarterback. And that is so much better than what you are likely to get from Taysom Hill <laughs> that I just don't understand the Taysom Hill thing at all. Like why you would not just go with Winston. I agree with you. Uh, I, I'm not. Like, I'm just assuming Winston's the guy, but I guess, you know, Sean Payton has his, he's enamored. Now, I just think the Saints kind of have a puncher chance, just given what they did to Tampa Bay in both regular season meetings last year, and then how bad Brady, uh, Breeze was at the end of last season. Yeah, I mean, their defense should be really strong again. I know there's some question marks in the secondary, but they didn't lose as much talent off that defense as you might think. They added some talent. We have them as the number three projected defense for this year with an average offense. And we may be over projecting their offense based on past performance because a lot of their past performance is, you know, rolled up with Drew Brees. But, but that should be a pretty good defense. And that's good enough to make them a dangerous playoff contending team. Right. And um, the Thomas injury you said is not factored in. So that's interesting. We haven't factored that in yet. Yeah. I, haven't, yeah. I have not been able to run a simulation that factors in the uh, injuries that we've known about in the, in the. Uh, and do we even know really exactly how long Thomas is out? No, just like the Colts injuries, the saints it's who knows, we don't know how long right. he's out, but I, I I'm expecting him to be out at least half the season. Yeah. I'd heard at least six games. What of what, um, what are you, what else stood out in terms of uh, surprises from your modeling? I think the team that people will be most surprised about in the NFC is Minnesota. Ah, yeah, I'm on the Vikings a little bit. Uh, the, the Vikings last year uh, 
were really bad in a lot of ways that really regressed towards the mean strongly from year to year. A lot of inconsistent statistics that don't have consistency from year to year. That's what the whole chapter in Football Outsiders Almanac about the Vikings is all about. Whether it's um, special teams or the level of injuries or the difference between their performance on first and second down and their performance on third down on offense. The Vikings were very bad in a lot of places that are important but inconsistent from year to year. Now, another one is schedule strength. But we do have Minnesota once again projected with a difficult schedule. So that is one where we do think there will be some consistency from year to year. We had the whole NFC North is projected with tough schedules. Chicago is projected with the toughest schedule in the league. Um, but we think Minnesota is going to bounce back. Their offense has been fairly consistent. Like it's always like sixth, seventh, eighth, something like that. And we think their defense will bounce back and be above average. So we really like Minnesota to be a playoff contender this year. So they're over under nine. We we actually our projection is right at that. Last I, last time I had seen it had been eight and a half. Did you think playoffs though? But I like them for the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I like them also at they're at plus two fifty to win the division. I think that's a nice little bet. All right, so a couple things um, because I wanted to ask you about Aaron Rodgers within the division, but I want to ask you more. So pointing out, so when I talked to odds makers a year ago and wrote a column, sort of getting an idea with how are no fans going to factor in to the odds and things like that. And one thing, and uh, Preston Johnson, a math modeler, used to be you a know, colleague, former colleague at ESPN, and he had a great point. He's like, you know, I used to think it was such a big thing, you know, the twelfth man, but what we learned looking back at it all is just like, they're just good teams. It's, you know, the 12th man was the thing when Seattle was going to the playoffs every year, I believe like a five-year run where they won at least one playoff game every season. And then also won a super bowl and then lost another one. They were amazing at home in that four or five year stretch. And then they weren't so great. Um, and then like Oklahoma city thunder and the NBA had a great home sort of court advantage back when they had Durant Westbrook and Harden. And then it wasn't so good. So, a lot of it is just tied to success. And then obviously the advancements in technology with the helmets and the communication with the sideline, more so the travel as well. It's not as rough on these guys who get elite sort of treatment with private planes and all that. So the home field advantage is not really a thing. However, odds makers did say the thing that they think the most is red zone defense is when the crowd is really a factor. And the Vikings last year were so bad relative to where they had set the bar the previous three years, they were top four. I want to say in red zone defense, the three, each of the previous three years before the COVID and no fans in the crowd. That's interesting because red zone defense is a stat that really is inconsistent from year to year. And I'm looking up where we had them in our numbers last year in red zone defense. We had them. We actually had them first in red zone defense last year. Hmm. That's very different from, yeah, saying. no, I'm going to look it up as I'm talking to you. I mean, again, this is just sort of uh, anecdotal to a certain extent, having been in that stadium. But you had them first? In DVOA, they were first in the red zone, yeah. Okay. I wonder if that's because of a lot of, like, red zone takeaways, maybe. Hmm. So yeah. I have them 10th. as I, 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 I use teamrankings.com just, you know, yeah. kind of. And, but again, the previous three years were all top, uh, you know, top three or four team 
Um, it might so be I, because Denver's the other team. And that was going back to the Denver discussion we had when we discussed the AFC. Denver was another team that sort of benefited from crowd noise and all that. Um, and I actually, actually have been in both stadiums in the red zones. I'll say this about home field advantage, which is that all of the research I've done shows that no team consistently has a better home field advantage than any other team. We want to believe that certain buildings have a stronger home field advantage and they just don't. If you look over a certain period of time, you can find Seattle with a consistently higher home field advantage. But then if you look over another period of time, that goes away. Like, really, I think you have to believe that home field advantage is going to be pretty stable for all teams and it'll go up and down every year. But if but overall, no team is really has a stronger home field advantage than any other team. The other thing is it went away last year, but I don't know if it went away because the crowds went away because it was also gone in 2019 and the crowds were there. Yeah, no, I wrote a length piece and just like, you know, growing up, it was like, oh, home field advantage, you got to add three points. Like it's, that's not the case at all. Three points. We know about key numbers, but there were some incredible uh, statistics. Um, you know, I'll just, this is again, before last, so before 2020, the past 10 seasons, home dogs are 49.9% cover rate. <laughs> Home dogs in primetime, 51.2. You know, we talk about, oh, double-digit home, you know, all double-digit home favorites, exactly 50%. 114, 114, and 2 ATS. Vegas is good at this. Yeah, so, so and that's the thing, and they're not putting on three points, right? So it's, you know, it's like, you know, it's like point, 1.4 or something. You kind of add it, but it all depends where the original number is. You're not going to go from 2.5 to 4, right? That's too big of a move on key numbers. Um. So they said, like, maybe if it's a minus two and a half at home and there is fans, maybe we'd go up to three, but move the juice as well. So minus two and a half, minus 20, and then maybe minus three flat, you know, something like that. So it's really like 2.6 to 2.9, something, something like that, right? I'm very interested to see what home field advantage looks like with the fans back this year. Does it look more like 2019 where it was basically non-existent or does Correct. it look more like 2016, 2017, 2018 when it was like two and a half points or something we've never seen with fans, just like dogs who haven't been fed in two weeks. And like orchard park is like breaking tables and at the 50 yard line, <laughs> forget the parking lot. Right. You know, maybe they're just, you know, aching to come out of caged animals. Oh, maybe. Okay. So the Vikings good, but I'm curious. So let's go back to the Packers, right? So not a lot has changed between February and today when you just kind of look at what they are on paper, but so much of the roller coaster between then and, this is a team that I think upgraded their head coach. I've been very anti-Mike McCarthy for a long time. 13-3 and back-to-back -back seasons with LaFleur. Rodgers wins MVP. How do you project this Packers team? We have them a little bit under their number, but I think that that might be related to the fact that our projections tend to be closer to 500. I don't think I would really put money on that. What is their number now, 11? It's 10 and a half there at, at, at you know, offshore sharp book. It's over 10 minus 150. Yeah. I definitely wouldn't go lower than that. Like, right. even though our, even though our projection comes out at 9.6 wins as the average, like I said, our projection tends to be a little close, too close to 500. So if you sort of expand the range of projections, you end up with green Bay around 10. And large part that you, you mentioned that the division is going to have a tough schedule. Yes. The green Bay, I will say green Bay gets hurt by a tough schedule. The whole NFC North has tough schedule. Right. No, it is fascinating because, I mean, that's how people got 25 to 1 on, on Rodgers, right? It was 
it was Packers were 13 and three. Okay. There's going to be some progression this year, blah, blah, blah. And there wasn't. And he was great. And he and, was much better than he'd been the year before. The right. fact is Rogers had a couple of years where he was like the 10th best quarterback in the league. And then all of a sudden last year, he was back to being number one or two. I am curious. I'm really curious to see how it all plays out. I, I thought it'd be tough to put the toothpaste back in the tube, but I guess if the, he pinned it all on the front office. So it works. Um, and the players don't seem to resent him or anything silly like that. So, and well, you have the usual suspects. What's that? I'm sorry. He, he still wants to win. No matter how he feels about the front right. office, he wants to go out there and win. So he's still going to play up to his best. Surprised I waited this long for this question. I think golf stinks. How much of an upgrade is it for the Rams to bring in Matthew Stafford? We don't have it as that much of an upgrade. Hmm. The fact really? is, yes. Any, any belief that Stafford is way, way, way better than Goff has to go beyond the numbers to sort of subjective opinion. And that's just not what we do. I mean, uh, if you look at the numbers, yes, last year Stafford was better than Goff. But uh, over the last three years, they've been roughly equal because three years ago, Goff was better than Stafford. Um, so statistically, it's not a huge upgrade. Uh, I understand why people believe that it's a huge upgrade. I understand why people believe that basically Sean McVay made Goff, that without Sean McVay, Goff is going to be horrible. <laughs> Stafford is, but I, I don't think Stafford suddenly becomes like a top five quarterback. It just, we just haven't seen the evidence. Like you can believe that that's going to take place, but we haven't seen evidence that suggests that that will take place. It's a fair point. Um, I, I, I'm of the belief that Goff is very limiting. Um, especially in cold weather, his stats are ridiculous. Not that people thrive necessarily, but I think Stafford's going to make things home for this offense. But the division is also very difficult. How how do you how do you, how are your projections with the win totals in this division? I mean, we have Detroit. I like Detroit going over their win total. Oh, okay, so I was going to go to the NFC West, but you, so I, I skipped over the. Um, we talked about the NFC uh, North. So you like the Lions with Dan Campbell and all this stuff. I mean, it's a very low hanging fruit, and I've probably grabbed it too many times, but. So you like the Lions here, huh? Yeah, not to make the playoffs, not to make the Super Bowl, nothing like that. Five so is their win total. Five, and some places it's four and a half, and especially if you can get four and a half. Here, here's the thing, right? First of all, we don't believe that Goff is as much of a step down from Stafford as you do. But second of all, if Patricia really was like the worst coach in the league and he was completely dragging them down, shouldn't they be a little better this year with a new coaching staff? Maybe, maybe Campbell's just as bad though. Like I, I think some of the, uh, you're right though. Like as, as much as everyone's ripping on Campbell and some of the questionable comments at press conferences, let's also remember the narrative that Pat, you know, Patricia would just, you know, run players things. hated Patricia yeah, running things run the through the wall for Campbell. That I agree with. He is definitely appealing in that regard. And we all saw the David Blau thing with watching his wife at the Olympics. So there's a lot of cool stuff that's going on. We just kind of, you know, it's not supposed to be a corporate environment um let's go to the nfc west because so you just touched on the rams how about those win totals because i think it's gonna be an exciting division for sure so this is the best division in the game okay we have seattle a little higher than um i don't think i would go over on their win total but when it comes to something like winning the division we have seattle a little higher than market and the rams lower than market and the 49ers about at market okay um you mentioned Trey Lance. 
when we talked the MVPs and the AFC stuff. Where do we? How do we approach this with the Lance I don't cloud know. hanging over? Here's the thing: we projected based on Garoppolo as the quarterback. Because okay. of the way our projections work, the projection would actually be lower with Lance as the quarterback, even though nobody actually thinks that if they go to Lance at the quarterback, that they'll be worse. Because the fact is, when you're projecting rookies, you have to project them to be below average. And Garoppolo has been a comfortably above average in San Francisco. I think he's pretty good. I mean, the health obviously is the concern, but so I if, mean, they gave him the big deal. I, I'm surprised they went Trey Lance and everything, but I'm also not there, and I don't know enough about Trey Lance. It feels weird to say that if they go to Lance, that our projection for them would drop. But if they go to Lance, our projection for them would drop. And that's large part because of statistics have shown that yeah, rookie quarterbacks, they, even high draft picks, are below average. Yeah, on average. There's got to be a learning course, curve. You know, you have to also – I mean, that's just the – that's just the variable that's Lance. Like if you look at the team variables for the San Francisco offense, that they're better than that. They'll move him up, but not as high up as what Garoppolo would end up projecting. What do you think of Garoppolo 150 to one to win MVP? I mean, like, like Lance, that's an interesting, really long shot bet, but I think the narrative of Lance takes over and becomes the MVP makes more sense than the narrative of Garoppolo stays and becomes the MVP. So I think if you're going to go with one of them at 150 to one as your super long shot, I would go with Lance. And obviously the defense will get a lot of credit with Garoppolo early on. Um, we have them with the number two defensive projection behind Pittsburgh. NFC East is really interesting to me. Cowboys under nine and a half minus 20 is one of, if not my favorite season win total bet. I think there's a lot of assumptions people make. Um, with the Cowboys, it's not like they were winning every game when, when Dak was healthy and the defense is still a problem. I know they're trying to address it. I think the rest of the division's better, particularly the Giants and Washington. I just don't think the Cowboys are that good. And we're also seeing it with these, you know, lingering issues surrounding Dak, not ankle base, but other issues. It's interesting. I thought we were higher than on Dallas than the market, but we're not, we're about exact with the market. I would not bet on Dallas at all. Okay. To go over or under or to make the playoffs or to win the Super Bowl. I think it's you're it's all the odds are pretty much perfect. <laughs> it's a tough schedule for me. I think they can lose every road game outside the division. And I mean we're talking at we Tampa. have them with an easier than average schedule. Is that That's because of their division? On their schedule that we would disagree about that. Well, it's because of their division, right? I would assume that's like skewing the numbers. Yeah, certainly some of that is the fact that they get to play Philadelphia twice and they get to play uh, the Giants twice. But, you know, the NFC South is not a great division. Carolina and Atlanta are not great teams, and New Orleans will be down from where they were a year ago. And the AFC West, we have the Chargers lower than anybody else. So, I just think the way it shakes out with home teams versus road teams, like I just think outside the division, they have to go at Tampa – at the Chargers, out of the gates. Yep. And then they're at New England. They're at Minnesota. Now, that's off a bye, but they're at Minnesota. At Kansas City. And then at New Orleans. So, those are their six non-division road games. Like, I think that's a strong chance of 0-6. Now, yeah, but I think a lot of their home games are totally better. very, very strong win chance. Right. To your point, Carolina, you get Atlanta, Carolina, Carolina right. Denver right. at home, Atlanta at home. 
It's tough to win uh, 10 games when you lose six on, you know, six automatic, you know, not automatic, but Raiders at home on a short week. Right. Right. No, no, it's, it's favorable in that regard. I just, you know, you, 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 you I feel confident going one and five in those six, if not oh and six. So that's for me. And I think the division's better. So how do you stack up with Washington, New York? Um, uh, you know, we, we have the, we have the odds here pretty close to what Vegas has, I think. Um, we have Dallas slightly below the Vegas odds to make the playoffs. We have Washington slightly below the Vegas odds to make the playoffs. We have the Giants slightly below the Vegas odds to make the playoffs. So, you know, the, the, we basically have the same odds as Vegas, except Vegas puts a little juice in there. So, um, you know, I think Washington projects to be close to 500. Their defense is likely to regress towards the mean a little bit. Their offense will be a lot better with Fitzpatrick, but... Fitzpatrick's performance last year was very, very heavily built on performance under pressure, where he was close to, if not the best quarterback in the league. And performance <laughs> under pressure, and I know you're thinking of the same play I'm thinking of, right? That one where he couldn't see and he heaved it yep. up against the Raiders. Performance under pressure is not as consistent from year to year as performance without pressure. So it's very unlikely that Fitzpatrick is that good again this year. I mean, it's Fitz magic for a reason, right? Yes. Every time you hand him a job, he plays his way out of it. And then when he's the backup, he plays his way back into it. He's uh, it's fasting. I think it's going to be a nice fit. I, I will say this about the defense and look, these are pretty on the surface stats, whether it be passing yards or points per game, but Washington outside the division. And we got to remind everyone, this is a team that had a division champ under 500 last year. So outside the division, that defense statistically wasn't that great, but but their offense was putrid. And so it was a lot of three and outs, short fields, things like that. So I think it's going to be fine. I just don't think it's as dominant. This ain't the 86, 85 Bears, right? And I think people forget for, need to be reminded of that. And they have what we call the plexiglass principle, which is teams that dramatically improve on one side of the ball tend to take a step back in the third year. And Washington dramatically improved. They had the eighth best improvement in defensive DVOA year over year since 1984 so they're likely to take a step back makes sense so okay so in futures market i mean we've gone through each division everything looks on, you know kind of on point with the market anything stand out in terms of futures i mean i guess uh, minnesota and seattle a little bit i don't like the nfc bets as much as i like the afc bets that's fair uh but if I, you know, if I had to bet on NFC teams, I would go Minnesota and Seattle uh, to either make the playoffs, win the division, or or win the Super Bowl. Uh, I think I think I, for Seattle, I would do win the division, and for Minnesota, I think that I would do make the playoffs. Right. Okay. What about the Bears? We just kind of gloss over. Who are you factoring in as their quarterback for the season? Are you doing half and half again? No, I counted it as Dalton. Ooh, red rifle. Yeah. Again, I mean, the fact is we would actually have Fields a little bit lower than Dalton, although Dalton's not very high. So the difference between Dalton and Fields is a lot smaller than the difference between Garoppolo and Lance in projections. Number one hardest projected schedule. Hmm. I think Dalton's uh... – Floor is obviously higher than Fields, but the ceiling way lower than Fields. Oh, sure, yeah. I think Dalton has to start, given they get the Niners in week one. Um, you don't want to throw your rookie to the wolves like that with San Francisco's defense just finally healthy again. I feel like if you, you know, 
if you're gonna, I, I feel like you don't want to throw him to the wolves with one week to prepare. But if you have the whole preseason to prepare for being the starter, you can throw him to the wolves. Okay. They fair actually point. don't have the 49ers week one. They have the Rams week one. Which Sorry, is the Rams defense. Yeah, Aaron Donald breathing down his net. My apologies. It was someone like that. I apologize. Um, I just feel I embrace yourself, Bears fans. There's a lot of excitement around fields right now. So let's just be um, you know, let's just be careful there. Generally, with first round quarterbacks, your excitement should be about the future, not about this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell that to fans. It's, it's short. It's short for fanatical for a reason, there, Aaron. It's different with San Francisco because their defense should be so good, and because the Shanahan system makes you believe that he can play better than a rookie quarterback if he plays. But you know, Jacksonville, Jets, Chicago—it's all about the future, not about this year. What about uh, player props for the NFC? Um, I kind of like golf. Okay. I mean, they should like be I throwing said, a lot. <laughs> I feel that Goff is a little bit. I feel that Goff is a little bit underrated given his statistical performance, and the over under is forty fifty, and he had forty two fifteen last year, and we think he'll be throwing from behind a lot. So we have him with forty three hundred projected yards. Uh, would you be shocked if David Blouse is starting quarterback by some point during the season? Yeah, I would. I mean, you know, not if there's an injury, but I would be shocked if they benched Goff. Yeah. I think I just bad. don't think he's that bad. It's fascinating. Look, I, I, I always joke on, on air. I go, look, um, Bill Barnwell is the grand poobah of the anti-Goff, but I'm on the Mount Rushmore. Uh, if, if you're going to expand it to beyond grand poobah, I'm on the Mount Rushmore. And look, if he's fine, like, you know, I don't wish ill on people, but I just don't see it. You know, like I don't, I don't think he's very strong. I think he panics. Um, I think he got helped out a lot by McVay, and we'll see. We'll see. Um, and yeah, we'll see but, more. You mentioned Stafford. Like We're going to learn a lot. And the guy was like, you know, slinging it from behind, and he's Mr. Backdoor Cover. It'll be a much different environment right now with with expectations. I understand how you feel about Goff, but pulling him for David Blau, I mean, I just don't see it. Blau ain't not be that bad. He let up to somebody on Thanksgiving. I can't remember which team, but – I think it was the Bears. Um, all right. I think that's really good stuff. We have a lot of fun um, discussion, a lot of fun options there for the uh, betting as the NFL season approaches. Aaron, I know our listeners do. I certainly do appreciate your time and, and, and relaying all of it. And one final time to uh, all, you know, let people know where they can get, get, get all the uh, research. Yeah, you can get all this research and all of our writing about the upcoming season, footballoutsiders.com. Awesome stuff, as always. Uh, really good to connect and enjoy the rest of your summer, what's left of it, before football really cranks up. Thanks, you, Matt. We'll talk next time. Go pick me out a winner, Bobby. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Behind the Bets podcast. You know the drills, rating, reviewing, subscribing. It really helps us with the analytics. Don't forget the Daily Wager podcast. Uh, every day, posts around noon Eastern. During the week, really grateful for Aaron Schatz. Just an awesome, awesome breakdown, thorough assessment of all the kind of the analytics and the modeling. So really appreciate his breakdown. Obviously, go check out the AFC if you missed it last week. And uh, best of luck to all of you. Got some preseason uh, movement that I referenced earlier. I think we like the um, Jaguars are now favored over the Cleveland Browns. And also, uh, I'm on the Dolphins, but that should be an interesting game as well. Uh, but the depth. Excuse me, not the Dolphins. I apologize. I am on the Bears against the Dolphins. That was my best bet for daily wager. Uh, the quarterback rooms of both are, are interesting. 
but obviously the Bears have a Super Bowl MVP, I think maybe listed as third string. So crazy stuff there. All right. So uh, best of luck to everyone. We'll catch you back here on the podcast next week. This is Behind the Bets, the podcast. You can listen to follow the Behind the Bets podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also, check out Doug Kazarian on Daily Wager, weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN2.